You're listening to Pantry Raid, which up until now has been a podcast about single ingredients, what to do with them, what not to do with them, and how to use them alongside other things you might already have at home in order to make more food and less waste. It's been, in many ways, a podcast about scarcity, about how to take all the little odds and ends that seem like they will never add up to anything in your kitchen and turn them into dinner. But this week, I wanted to talk about the opposite problem, what to do and how to cook when you have too much of one thing. It's a problem I think we all face at one time or another, whether it's because we have a single cucumber plant that goes insane overnight or because we have a sick friend who only wanted to eat chicken for a week and they canceled their meal train delivery. Too much of a good thing is a really privileged thing to have. Let's go ahead and say that up front. But nevertheless, it can often result in food waste or in frustration. And I know that firsthand because in my work as a food stylist, I often think of myself as having two jobs. One, show up and make the food look really nice. I call it plate to camera translator. That's me. And two, I really feel responsible for salvaging as much of the food as possible at the end of the shoot so that it doesn't go into the trash and end up in a landfill. It usually cannot be donated uh, to any kind of soup kitchen or anything like that because it will have been sitting out all day. I'll have touched it with my disgusting human fingers or painted highlights on it with brushes that are not food safe. Um, Like it is not technically legally food safe, but I feel okay about it. So I take it home. And in this way, I have come to be the proud owner of things like four pounds of pea tendrils and a whole lamb shoulder, boxes of half rotten tomatoes, all kinds of things that I've had to cook quickly and in alarming amounts. So today I'm going to pass on some of what I have learned from those experiences to you. But first, we're going to hear a story from my new friend, Bianca Morton. Bianca is not only a Nashville native, but one of the people who has been behind the scenes for years and years making Nashville's culinary heart tick. From teaching a new generation of cooks how to chop vegetables in public schools back before Nashville was an it city, to developing the special events catering program at the Music City Center, Bianca has been there, she has done that, and she has come up with a creative solution for it all. She is now the chef director of the Nashville Food Project, where she focuses on food-based missions within the community. For those of you who don't know or who don't live in Nashville, Nashville Food Project is a local nonprofit currently serving about 5,500 scratch-cooked meals a week to those in need, as well as reclaiming nearly 100,000 pounds of food that would have otherwise gone to waste each year. And when that food arrives at the Nashville Food Project kitchen, It's Bianca who decides what to do with it and how to cook it. The story she's about to tell us is really a worst case scenario. Like what would you do if literally like a hundred pounds of a vegetable you do not like to eat and that goes bad quickly showed up at your doorstep and you had to take it and figure out how to cook it. Okay, so let's talk asparagus. After being at the Nashville Food Project for a little over a month, I got my first taste into a huge donation. And this tractor-trailer truck dropped off over 100 cases of beautiful, fresh asparagus that a grocery store had rejected. Over a 1,000 pounds of asparagus, which, you know, I personally don't love it. But I had to be creative in ways that I could use it. So at that point, it was... So what can asparagus not go in? 
So we put it in stratas as an extra vegetable. Put them in salads as part of a topping. We made soups. We made stews. We made pasta and rice. Anything that you can think of, asparagus was in it. I decided to use it in a vinaigrette. I'm really good at sauces and dressings. So roasted asparagus with garlics and shallots and fresh herbs. I kind of use the asparagus as like an herb and add red wine vinegar or white wine vinegar and oil and voila. Now you have an asparagus vinaigrette to go with your gardening salad with asparagus. (laughs) So like the theme here was asparagus. One of the great things about now being in a commercial kitchen, we were were able to process things a whole lot better. We didn't have those tools in Green Hills, but what we did was we were taking batches and going ahead and processing them, cutting them down, putting the stems in um, and the tips that we could not use for stock or for compost. And then we we roasted, blanched off some, and then we vacuum sealed them to freeze them. And that came into play several months after when we moved into our brand new facility, after we had transferred everything from our old freezer to our new freezer, when we were we were hit with how can we be of service and be of help to the employees that were going through the government shutdown. After some research, we decided the best avenue was the TSA workers. And it was like, okay, so we're going to make them these meals, but we also want to give them something to go home. And it was like, Bam, asparagus, (laughs) because I still had asparagus that was processed in the freezer. And we were able to take some of those down to the airport and leave them in the break room. So not only did we give them a lunch or a breakfast for that day, they got something they could take home. The good thing about that is that we were able to, a donation that we got in October, we were able to like process it, break it down, save what we could, use what we could, share what we could, and then still have some left over to turn it into something beautiful for somebody else. So, I mean, pretty awesome experience. I still don't like asparagus, (laughs) but I, I love the fact that we got that huge donation and that so many people who do, who wouldn't buy asparagus for themselves, who had never tried asparagus got to get a taste of what we go through every day. And if you live in Nashville and you want to volunteer with Bianca, please visit thenashvillefoodproject.org slash give time. All right, so now that we've heard from the master, let's get into some scenarios that are more likely to happen to you in your home kitchen. You get home, you see how much of something you have, you freak out, And your first impulse is to throw everything into the freezer and deal with it later. And I'm going to say, instead of don't buy this, don't do that. Don't throw shit into the freezer at random to buy yourself time. That is mean to your future self and sometimes to the produce. Meat freezes fine. Fruit freezes fine. Fruit, actually, it works to your benefit to freeze it because The freezer draws water out of the fruit, makes it taste more concentrated, more like itself. That's why frozen fruit can be really good in smoothies and jams and cobblers and pies. But in the case of vegetables, you're going to have to do a little bit of processing first. And by that, I mean, go ahead and make something that you can use to your advantage later. Something that when you pull it out of the freezer, The meal you're working on in the future will already be half done. And it can be a totally simple thing like kale pesto, pureed cauliflower soup, any kind of root vegetable you can make a puree out of to put meat on top of. 
Um, another really good thing is to grate zucchini into butter and cook it down and freeze it in little cubes. You can pull it out to put on tartines. And hello, you can make falafel and put any kind of greens in it, greens, herbs, uh, roasted vegetables are great in falafel. I just talk about falafel all the time. I'm starting a cult of falafel. You're all welcome to join. The more people that make falafel, I'm getting these messages saying, oh my God, falafel. And I'm like, oh my God, I know. But you can make a falafel in advance with a bunch of vegetables in it and then freeze it um, in little shaped patties and then just pull it out to fry later. And as we all know, falafel is so stupidly easy to make. Now, on to strategy. Anytime you come home with too much of one thing, make at least two dishes from it. And from those two dishes, set aside at least one serving of each in the freezer. I have probably 15 to 20 8 or 12 ounce mason jars with lids, and that's just the perfect size. It's like soup for one, um, pasta sauce for two, the right amount of pesto to take to a party with a crudite. Um, they sit really nicely into your fridge and stack on top of each other. They're so, so, so helpful. And the things you make and put into the freezer, especially later in the season, August, September, my CSA share goes until October. Wait to eat those things until we are so deep into winter that you leave the house in the dark and you come home in the dark. And all you want to do when you get home is uh, eat warm, nourishing food and watch Netflix and a huge cashmere sweater and your Norwegian army issued socks. What a gift and not a burden to your future self. Here's what I don't want you to do when you strategize. Don't be like, I'm Laura Ingalls Wilder, and I can everything to prepare for the long winter. You're not. And canning is pretty intensive and also sort of boring. Should you make one jar of quick pickles to sit in your fridge and eat on salads for the next two weeks? Hell yeah. But don't get into canning. It's too much. So we've covered strategy, and now let's get into mindset. I think we have this idea in our head now, and I mostly blame Gordon Ramsay for this. That guy needs to go to some therapy. Um, We have this idea in our head that if we're using local produce, beautiful produce, organic produce, we have to make something healthy. I always use that word in air quotes because it is a social construct. Something healthy or something elevated. And you know, he's always yelling at people that they have to respect their ingredients and I just think if you are using your produce and you're enjoying what you make with it and you're not letting it go to waste, if that's not respect, I don't know what is. If you think your local organic homegrown whatever carrots, for example, will taste delicious grated into sloppy joe filling, do that. Love it. Don't feel bad about it. And on that note, too much of something, especially if it came to you for free, is an excellent time to experiment. If you have some weird ideas, let them out. See what happens. They might be great. They might be terrible. But that's like the theory on how art started in general, right? Early farming civilizations, because they had a surplus, it bought people time to make things that were not strictly for efficiency. You have the luxury of being able to fail without ending up with terrible food or not enough food. You have a surplus. You are living in the lap of luxury. 
Of course, that's not your only option for dealing with a surplus creatively. I get it. You're not all Enneagram 4s like me. You don't have wild ideas bouncing around in your head day and night. You don't wake up at 5 in the morning and think all the yellow things in my kitchen should go in one cabinet and then get up and do it. Creativity can mean so many more things. There is creativity in the vulnerability you find when you ask someone to come over and help you break down too much food. There is creativity in the community you create when you invite people over to help you eat too much food. And there's creativity in the generosity that you bring when you give away what you do not need. I'm going to end today's episode with some words from Wendell Berry from his book, The Mad Farmer Poems. This one is right in the middle of it. It's called Manifesto, The Mad Farmer Liberation Front. And it's uh, talking about a lot of things, but this passage is an idea about the soil and investing in the future. And I think it's such a good place to end because the final option you have with a surplus, especially of vegetables, is to compost them. And not only should you forgive yourself for that, but you should be happy about it because composting is literally life. Um, So here's the poem. Say that your main crop is the forest, that you did not plant, that you will not live to harvest. Say that the leaves are harvested when they have rotted into the mold. Call that profit. If you find yourself with too much of one thing this summer or too much of several things or you get home from the farmer's market and you think, crap, I just bought everything that looked good and now I don't know what to do with it, consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Patrons get access to the private page of my website where I post all my favorite tips, tricks, and recipes. And like, not to do my own horn, but it's a really good resource if you're into cooking vegetables or want to cook more vegetables. Plus, you get access to an archive of recipes that I posted even before you became a patron. This is the second to last episode in this season, Um, but even after the season ends, I'm going to keep updating that private page for you every single week indefinitely until I find someone else to pay for season two. And if you know how to make that happen, please get in touch with me. What I do know is that I waited way too long in this segment to tell you how to become a patron. Maybe no one will pay me for season two because I have some practice to do. Anyway, if you would like to become a patron and you're still listening, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash H-M-M-E-S-S-I-N-G-E-R. This episode was written by me, Hannah Messenger, and produced by Tony Gonzalez. Thank you for sticking with us after our long hiatus when I was very sick, and we'll be back very soon with our final episode about chicken thighs. Until then, make more food and less waste.